Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Friends Who Like Stuff podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. In every episode, we're joined by one of our buddies to sit in the third host chair. This week, it's our dear friend who also likes stuff. It's me. Hey, Ben. <laughs> Hi. Hey, Ben. <laughs> welcome back, so, Yeah, welcome back. Thanks, thanks. Good to be back. You're the second person to go through this new, more rigorous interview Uh-oh. process. Oh, no. To see if we invite you back oh, for a geez. third time on the show. Oh, jeez. We have to start being a little bit more selective. We started off pretty broad with all of our friends who like stuff. And we've got to find the one friend who likes stuff. Uh, so it's like a job interview. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> no, this time around we're we're just we're focusing a little bit more on the stuff that our friends like. And so uh, we know that there are lots of things that you like and there are lots of things that you're good at. We know that you are a media guru. And we know that visual media is probably your bread and butter. I would not hesitate to call you an expert in that field with your knowledge and practice behind a camera. So today we have two questions for you that kind of go together that you can probably answer at the same time. First, how did you get into visual media? And secondly, what makes you continue to pursue it or why do you love it? Um, so how I got into it, I guess, is because I didn't do well in my business classes at Baylor. (laughs) 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 Pretty sure. I think I failed accounting. This is is taking a a major turn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Once I started adding letters in math, I just, I just got out. So, um, um, yeah. So I, I started, I guess I got into it, into video production, when I was, I guess, a sophomore at Baylor, that was after I changed majors to film and digital media. And I guess I, I never was like really interested in movies or like making video stuff. Like I, I didn't even really watch movies back then either. So there's <laughs> still like a, a whole lot of movies I haven't seen. Even now, I still haven't seen a lot of the classics. But um, yeah, just kind of that's where it kind of took off. And then after college, I had a job that I didn't like, and that's where I kind of learned more of what I wanted to do, I guess. And what was the uh, what was the second part of the question? The and then, question? why do you pursue it, or why do you why do you enjoy? What are things that make you enjoy it? Ah, um, I think I think the best. So most of what I've I do is is more, I guess, story. What's the word? More story, like story driven. Yeah, story-driven stuff. Sorry, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not good with words either, so I can put things to to screen a lot easier. <laughs> um, but yeah, so most of what I do is more story-driven. So just meeting meeting different people and getting opportunities that I don't usually you know wouldn't usually get. Mm-hmm. Um, those that's been super super fun to to get involved with and just meeting new people and just kind of creating something pretty much creating something out of nothing out of somebody else's vision sometimes and then help them create create their vision into reality um, mm-hmm. and then also on the other side for like wedding stuff is just just to kind of be with people on kind of like their most joyous days in their lives <laughs> which is yeah. pretty pretty cool to be a part of that and yeah that's huge 
yeah, just thankful for them to to allow me to do that. So, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's fun fun stuff. Yeah. How did your um, like what did your path look like out of Baylor? So you you switch majors, and did you just kind of switch majors like at random, or did you kind of have choosing moment? Like I switched majors at Baylor as well. I was a biology pre med major. And I switched to exercise physiology because I didn't have to take Spanish. Right. <laughs> and that was the defining factor. So what was the defining factor for you to switch majors? Um, uh, he failed. <laughs> yeah. I well, couldn't I mean, do like, business anymore. Well, not, not no, just yeah, like I know, I know getting saying. out of business, but like why yeah. did you choose vi- uh, video and media? Yeah. Um, there was a, like a like a real moment. Where I was like, this is what I'm going to do. It was so, you know, we have like the guidebook that has all the the majors and the descriptions and all that stuff of what, mm-hmm. what they are. So I was just looking through it. Didn't really find anything that I liked. I had a couple of friends who were already in the FDM program. So um, they're like, you should join join us in film. So I was like, uh, no. But then I like... That's this history. Yeah, but I like looked through the handbook and like saw what what it was, and I was like, oh, okay, like that sounds a lot better than like I just can't sit through a lecture. <laughs> that I, sounds a lot I better can't... than having to take Spanish. Exactly, <laughs> like I can't. I hey, can't Spanish sit. at Baylor is no joke. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's, it's like muy notorious. difícil. <laughs> <laughs> So for for those of you who don't know, Ben was born in Mexico. <laughs> what? <laughs> no way, Jose. <laughs> Mexico City, right? Uh close close to Mexico City. That's where we lived. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, uh I think I remember I do remember the first day of of class. I walked in. It's, it's digital media, so it's film and digital media, so mm-hmm. I forgot what class it was, but I walked in and like people were just playing Xbox. Like that was that was <laughs> the class. <laughs> like like I had to do something with video games, and I don't, I don't even really remember. But I was like, oh okay, yeah, I, can, I think I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds neat. Extra credit to go see a movie and bring the professor a movie stub. Like yeah, I can do that. <laughs> right, rock on. Oh man, yeah. And I chose music. <laughs> I know it. So after graduation, I worked at a news station in Waco. I think it's the ABC, the ABC affiliate. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I started off as a production assistant. So I was, I was in the studio during the like the newscast and like running a teleprompter or running camera. And I had to edit stories for the news that like came down from like other, like the bigger news that we just made local. So I did that for like maybe like a month or two. And then I got a quote unquote promotion to news photographer and was able to go out to the field with reporters and just basically a cameraman going mm-hmm. well, that's shooting. Fun. Yeah, it was it was fun at times. <laughs> <laughs> but the <laughs> but the reason I didn't like it because it was just like one, it was just a bunch of like 
doom and gloom stuff. It was like <laughs> going to the courts and like they wouldn't allow cameras in the courtroom. So I just sit on the outside, just kind of <laughs> just waiting for nothing. them to come back out. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so it was like just things like that or like just like car accidents and like other random things that just aren't really that fun. Getting being on call and having like, you know, you're dead asleep and getting a call at two or three in the morning. I remember one time that I got a call to go out to Bruceville Eddy, which is 30 or 40 minutes away because there was a, a motorcycle accident oh and I got gosh. there. I get there and the ambulance, the EMTs are walking back to the truck. And so I asked them, you know, what, what happened? And they say some guy just fell off his bike. And so like that's Whoa. like it wasn't like not even like a real thing. Like he just like... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun to be woken up and then having to go out and just like hear this awful news. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like at least it's in the field, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, definitely had the upsides of like always, like pretty much you have at least one story to work on a day. You know, you're always using your camera, always, you know, you have to get everything done as well by five o'clock or six o'clock, depending on what you know what new show the mm -hmm. story's going on so there's always a f more fast pace that i think i enjoy more than having more time to work on the project yeah correct me if i'm wrong but it sounds like this may be one of the places that you started pulling out some of the stuff that you liked about it too is that right yeah yeah i mean it, it was a good place for me to learn what i liked and what i didn't like mm -hmm. is um, this where you learned how to craft a story I'll, uh, I'll take this one uh, for you, Ben. <laughs> uh, ben learned how to craft a story from Kenyon Drawn. <laughs> he doesn't pay him anymore, okay? <laughs> Wait, he doesn't? What? So you worked at the news. You got all this practical knowledge. You moved to Lubbock, became... Uh, tell us really briefly what you did in Lubbock, and then... What you did after. Just tell us your whole life story there, Ben. Exactly. Well, no, just like real short, because I okay. know that I spent a lot of time asking about why you failed business. <laughs> Imaginary numbers. Give me a break. Um, so at the church, that was the director of video production. So really just made any videos that we needed for any of the ministries we have a series called how you give it makes a difference that we show every sunday so i was at least making a video each sunday usually you know story-based interviewing people so i did that and then currently i'm just doing my own thing doing freelance uh as 2024 productions which is more like commercial corporate type stuff and then uh i have a wedding business as well called the wedding filmery so that's what i'll be doing filling up my time hopefully speaking of 2024 april 8th 2024 just look up just trust <laughs> me on that directly at the sun because it's gonna be behind the moon ah i have a facebook page y'all should go follow it about eclipses yeah i made it in 2009 <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> that's right okay. is that when the world ends all right Next question. Imagine like somebody has recognized they enjoy videography or video production. Where can they start? Just a little bit, maybe equipment or practice or tips or anything like that. Uh, no. Next question. <laughs> if, if I give them tips, they're going to just be competition. <laughs> um, so 
usually what I would probably say to most people is just film things. Just go out and make random videos that probably make no sense. And just because any video that you're going to make when you're beginning is, is going to be terrible. So <laughs> um, just it's just one of those things you have to get. You have to do more to get good and better at it. And so, you know, most people have phones these days and, you know, the newest phones have pretty good cameras. So if you're not what I usually say is just go out and shoot with your phone with your phone. Because if you're not shooting with your phone already, you know, a lot of people will like, what camera do I need? What, you know, equipment do I need? And then you tell them and then they buy it. They waste like thousands of dollars and then they don't use it. So usually I just say, you know, use your phone, film things. If And if you're not doing that, then I don't know. Then maybe, <laughs> right? Like, maybe save your not, money. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's always good to learn. And then YouTube, like there's plenty of, of people to, to learn from that do tutorials filming tutorials see like equipment reviews and stuff like that well cool well thank you for informing us a little bit more about video production and and how you got started and and some hopefully practical tips for our listeners would you rather be four foot ten or ten foot four I think I'd rather be ten foot four. All right, why? Care to elaborate? Because I'm already kind of short. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, any I'll take any height I can get. I guess <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, a lot of height. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot more than I probably would would like. <laughs> but it'd make playing basketball a lot easier. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't move. know. That's yeah. that's what I always thought was like. It doesn't matter how tall you are. If you're super tall, an NBA team will at least look at you. <laughs> yeah. The only other person we've asked so far is the old man. And he's yeah. like 6'3", something like that. And uh, he, he chose to be short. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. He's like, I don't want to be any taller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Well, that brings us that, to our next. Sorry, I'm thinking of oh, things like Ben. You know how long a bed it would have to be. <laughs> <laughs> It'd have to be ten foot four. <laughs> yeah, and like your car. I don't know now. Now I'm kind of second guessing myself. But it's too late. Yeah. You're gonna be super tall. If you're ten four <laughs> and you're in the NBA, then you're gonna be rich, and you just. That's customize right. your house, so you don't even have to be good. You can just ride the bench. <laughs> These guys make it easy half a mil a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, your head is literally over the rim. <laughs> yeah. There's no way. Like your arm, like, your arm span is probably like 13 feet high. That's yeah. taller than most of them shoot. You could you could go court to one end to the other end in like two two or three steps. Yeah, easy. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Okay. <laughs> one and one. Okay. <laughs> one and one. Got all tied up. I guess that means this is a better question. Play a game with me, would you? This week, I thought it would be fun to explore uh, different different media, specifically firsts and some lasts. So I am going to give a movie or album title. And you tell me the type of media that you think it was the first or last of. So, and I'm talking physical media like, you know, DVD, CD, tape, stuff like that. Uh, some of these are 
going to be questionable in their their veracity because records weren't always well kept but this is the best that i could find and also in in most cases i'm going to be looking for firsts in english or in america uh because sometimes the first was foreign so we don't know it um that's not always the case though either so this is not going to be a buzz-in quiz you can work together and just decide what you think it is just a this is going to be informational okay that's good so here's the first one what media do you think this was the first or last of eartha kit love for sale eartha kit eartha kit it sounds like music that's it i'm gonna love for sale sounds maybe like 70s 80s i'm gonna say the last of eight track i don't know what do you say, ben? say what do you think I was gonna say first of the cassette. That's a that's so we got a good good little guess there. I think. Uh, so it is. <laughs> so it is in fact uh, the first cassette tape. Nice, oh, Ben. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah, yeah. uh, released in 1965. Uh, it was first released on vinyl before it was on cassette in '66. And what was the album called again? Love for Sale. Love for Sale. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those gray area questions uh, because at least two other albums claim to be the first. And that's Nina Simone's uh, Wild is the Wind and Johnny Mathis's The Shadow of Your Smile. Gotcha. So we, we, we don't know for certain uh, which one it is. I, I, I picked one of the three main three that are claiming it. So, uh, All right. What is this? The first or last of The Sound of Music. First. Oh man! Oh man! I don't know the first VHS. That's what I was thinking, but I don't remember what was before VHS though. Like those little rolls of film, reel to reel. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it was a reel to reel. Yeah, I think first VHS is probably a good guess. Okay, so it is the first US VHS, and of course, right. it came out well after it was released uh, in theaters. Right. Um. But it came out on the same day as Patton, Patton and Mash. They, they were all three released uh, the same day. Uh, the actual first non-US, the actual first VHS is a South Korean film uh, named The Young Teacher. I know nothing about it, except that it's South Korean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Billy Joel's 42nd Street. I would have said the last vinyl, but that'd be silly. I'm going to say yeah. the last eight track, I guess. Because they're still making vinyl, so there's... Yeah, like, how does that thing. work? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's definitely not the first vinyl. I'm going to say the, the last eight track, because you already said the first cassette. And there's no way it was a CD, right? Like, CDs weren't like... Like, they were earlier than what they had, but CDs weren't, like, that early. I'm going to stick with eight track. Last eight track. 40, 42nd Street, the album did come out in the 70s. I don't even know when the so, CDs came out. Um, it. No, I guess it was an eight track then. Dang it. I don't Why? Know. Because I thought eight tracks were like through the eighties. Oh, okay. Well, Forty Second Street was the first CD. Dang it! Uh, I knew they came out with them way before. Yeah, nineteen eighty-two. I think it's either nineteen eighty-one or nineteen eighty-two. I think it was March of eighty-two um, that that it was released on CD. It, it, of course, again, it's an album that came out earlier than the CD release, but it is yeah. the first. I knew that CDs were like earlier than what I was thinking, but -hmm. I didn't remember how early they were. Here's a fun one. The first Mission Impossible movie with Tom Cruise. That's not Blu-ray, is it? That wouldn't be the first Blu-ray. Or would it be the last VHS? No, we already... 
We didn't do the last VHS, right? We did the first VHS. What year did that come out? VHS were up through... No, that'd be earlier than the last VHS. Oh, it was the first Mission Impossible. <laughs> no, <dude. laughs> Easy. I'm going to say the first Blu-ray. Ooh, the first uh, HD DVD. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, this is a trick question. It's HD DVD. <laughs> Specifically for the Xbox 360. <laughs> yep. Uh, it is the last Betamax. Oh. Yep. Oh, nice. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed 1996. that. 1996. Because I don't even remember what Betamax was. Uh, it's better than VHS. It just didn't sell as well. Uh, a History of Violence. Vigo Mortensen flick. It's going to be one of those other ones that came out like in 2005. Off the wall. 2005. I guess that's V. I'm going to say VHS on that one because that sounds about right. The for first the last VHS? VHS? The last the VHS. Last. <laughs> it, is, it is the last major Hollywood release uh, on VHS. Fleetwood Mac's greatest hits. This one's the last eight track. Wait, did we already say the last eight track? It is. It is uh, the last eight track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After the third time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it is it is arguably the the last eight track. Most people uh, who think about this kind of thing consider it to be the last eight track. Uh, the fifth element. First. Lilu Dallas Multipass. First DVD, maybe. First. What do you think, Ben? First HD DVD. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to that well. I'm going to say first DVD because I, re- I remember that on VHS. Ben, what do you say? Yeah, let's go first DVD. Okay. So you were close, Ben. First but Blu-ray? You were, you were technically correct and technically incorrect because Blu-ray is high definition. Uh, it is uh, the first Blu-ray among many. Um, 51st Dates, Hitch, House of Flying Daggers, Underworld, Evolution, Triple X, uh, Terminator. Um, they, they released a lot of Blu-rays the day that, uh, that, that it came out. Because about us, that's a, yeah, around, I guess, PlayStation 3? Probably right around there. Just a few more. Uh, Jaws. It has to be physical, right? Yes, physical. Did we already say first DVD? Uh, no. I'm going to guess first DVD until I get it, so. <laughs> first you know laser disc. It is the first laser disc. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Yes, it is the first laser disc. I was going to say first blockbuster. Yeah, no, we're not We're not doing that kind of a thing. Uh, not, not doing <laughs> Netflix or digital stuff or anything like that. No, like it was the actual first block, like blockbuster movie. Oh, actually, no, you're right. It was. The first like summer blockbuster. It's it's right. what it's what started the whole summer blockbuster thing. Because before that, movies, the big temple movies, were coming out in like the the winter and stuff. Right. Ben just oh, said, yeah. I am the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> um, bringing out the dead. I don't even know. Yeah. Is this, is this a movie what... or an album? Let me IMDb this. Oh, it's it's a movie. Okay, mm. so it's a movie. Uh, with Nicolas Cage and Patricia Arquette. Last DVD. Ben, you got a guess? Uh, no. It is the last Laserdisc. Ah. Dang it. <laughs> I should have guessed that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Twister. Last DVD. First DVD. No, <laughs> it first is DVD. the first DVD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we knew it all along. Uh... All right. 
Uh, and the the last one, which I totally lied to you earlier, so I'm just going to kind of give it away. Uh, Ombra My Fu Largo by George Frederick Handel. The first vinyl. It is the first radio broadcast of a, of a song. Oh. What? We weren't talking about any of that stuff. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. That's why I said this is a little bit of a... Uh, Plot no, that's anyway, on, the, on the evening of December 24th, 1906, Reginald Fassenden used the alternator transmitter to send out a short program from Brant Rock. It included phonograph record of Ombra My Fu Largo by George Bridger Handel. Followed by Fassenden himself playing the song Oh Holy Night on the violin. And those were the firsts and lasts of our uh, physical media and one cheater radio thing. (laughs) Well, that's neat. So this week we decided to go with our top five directors. Of film. Of film. And spoiler alert, Ben is my one through five. What? <laughs> which which film was your favorite of his? Uh, salt man. and Light. Or wait, no. Salt and Light. Yeah, Salt and Light. That was funny. Anyway, <laughs> top five directors. These are the directors that you um, either like their style or like their movies. Really, any criteria. You could just like the way their name sounds the most. And Ben... You were going to kick it off with your number five first. All right. So in, in no particular order. <laughs> wait. Wait. <laughs> Who told you to say that? <laughs> number five. Okay. So I, I actually, honestly, <laughs> I have like my top two and then the other three are just kind of like uh-huh. names that I thought. And so, yeah. But I think the way I typed them is actually probably the way that it's probably going to work. So, number five. And as I said earlier, you know, I was never really actually into watching movies. I am mm-hmm. now, but I still haven't seen a lot of classic movies. So, my list is probably pretty basic. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, number five, Steven Spielberg. Who that? <laughs> uh, he's the guy from the Animaniacs. Oh, you're yeah. right. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Steven Spielberg. Just a lot of classic movies with some, some good music. Yeah. There you go. Not a bad pick. All right, James, you go next. So mine are also probably pretty basic. And I am not really versed on what makes a good shot, what makes a good director a good director, right? Mm-hmm. The composition and all that. And so I basically just have to base it on the movies that I know I like. Yeah. All right. Um, so, so there could be some great directors on there technically, that, or and some of these might not be great directors, but I like their movies. Uh, so my number five, I will fight you if you say he's not a great director. He passed away this year, and since I am a sentimental schmuck, when an artist that's been influential to me, uh, be it a musician, an actor, or in this case a director one of the first things I always do is, is revisit their important work. So in February, I watched Ghostbusters for the millionth time. And uh, Ivan Reitman, 
might not be in the inner circle of the pantheon of great directors, but dang it, he is important to me and millions like me who grew up with his films, even if we were too young for some of them. Uh, Stripes will forever be the best military comedy. Meatballs will forever be one of the best summer camp films. Twins, Kindergarten Cop, Dave, Junior, they all might be hokey now, but they were huge in the late 80s and early 90s. Amy makes fun of the way I say huge. Uh, huge. <laughs> huge. <laughs> and uh, the, the first of those three actually still hold up for me. Um, his later movies aren't really all that great, even though I had high hopes for evolution. But his, his crowning achievement is certainly Ghostbusters. And, and I even love Ghostbusters 2. And when his son, Jason Reitman, directed Ghostbusters Afterlife, which if you haven't seen it and don't want the ending spoiled, close your ears for about 10 seconds, starting now. Jason asked Ivan to stand in as Egon for a few insert shots. He wasn't the main person who portrayed Egon in, in Afterlife, but he did stand in for some insert shots, and that just makes the ending even more special to me. But Ivan Reitman, my number five. Love the guy. Nice. Solid. All right, that brings us to my number five. And you know what? Ben, yours was pretty good, so I'm going to go with yours too. Steven Spielberg. Basic. <laughs> it, it, it is, but he had to be on the list somewhere. You probably like at least, you know, a couple of his movies. He's been doing it for 50 years. Many of them are all-time classics. So yeah, Steven Spielberg. He he was obviously not the first big director because, you know, Hitchcock was way before him and I'm sure there were others that were famous, but I mean Frank Capra, Cecil B. DeMille. Yeah. Huge. But in the I said modern right <clears throat> age, he probably is the most iconic. No doubt. <laughs> Number four. The next one I have on my list is Damien, Damien Giselle. Okay. So I know he hasn't done like a whole lot, but a lot of his movies I've just really liked. Well, I mean, the very few movies that he's actually directed. Dude, La La Land is one of my favorite movies ever. I don't um, think it was very good. And uh, Whiplash, as hard as it was to watch that movie, because uh, J.K. Simmons was so hard to watch. Uh, it's right. such a great movie. Yeah, Whiplash and La La Land, and I mean, really, Sorry, I'm taking <laughs> over your list. I know that. <laughs> I feel like that's a terrible number four for me because it's really those two movies, and then he did what Last Man. Or first man. It's all good. First man. You can have it can be just over that. All right, James. All right. So as you both know, I am a pretty massive fan of horror films. I could make my entire list out of directors that are important to the genre, but I am going to go ahead and just limit myself to just one. Though others on my list may have uh, a horror film or two in their filmography, but they're they're just there are so many. Uh, relative newcomers Jordan Peele and Ari Aster are making a name for themselves uh, like you said Hitchcock certainly deserves to be on any best director's list not just horror and then you've got Romero Carpenter Hooper Raimi all great directors and now my honorable mention segment can be shorter because I just named them here <laughs> but my favorite 
horror director is, of course, Wes Craven, the creator of Nightmare on Elm Street. He only directed two of the Nightmare films, but they were great. And he also directed the first four Scream movies, which were absolutely huge and game-changing for, for horror films in the 90s. Uh, early on, he was super influential in the genre with films like The Hills Have Eyes, Last House on the Left. He had a fun mutual respect with Sam Raimi, and the two would often reference each other's films in theirs somehow, like on a TV or uh, on a poster on the wall, something like that. So it's always a lot of fun to kind of find those little Easter egg type things. And he, of course, also made some some stinkers. Deadly Friend, Vampire in Brooklyn, no thank you. Uh, but camp, <laughs> campy films like Swamp Thing, Shocker, The People Under the Stairs, totally here for that. Um, and one time he even made a non-horror movie, uh, Music of the Heart with Meryl Streep. And I think it is his only film to have any Oscar nominations at all, uh, which were Best Actress and uh, Best Original Song. And by all accounts, the man was super nice, super kind, and the sort of person that you would not expect to make films as bloody and violent as his. And again, when he passed, I was I was bummed all day and then went home and watched Nightmare that evening, which kind of sounds weird to be sentimental watching Nightmare, but I didn't. <laughs> Wes Craven. He did the, uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his, his brother. Ah, nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. So my number four is Christopher Nolan. I mean, the Dark what? Knight trilogy, Inception, Interstellar, Tenet, Dunkirk, like they're all they're all really Memento, they're all really good movies. Memento was probably obviously the first one that I saw of it. Mm -hmm. Um I love how he can tell a story and it doesn't have to be in a linear sequence. I also love all of his practical effects and I love um, the visual, I don't even know what to call it. Like just like the craziness of the visuals that, that go along with most of his movies and how they're, he can captivate you and have you looking one way while this whole other thing is happening. And then it ends up that that happened before everything else. Ha and I don't know. <laughs> he he right. like brain melting at times and just absolutely phenomenal movies are churned out by that guy. Yeah. Especially the dark Knight rises. Hey, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> it was all right. I know it. And people didn't really even like tenant, but I thought it was good. I had fun when I watched Tenet. Yeah, it was it was interesting. It was like I'm not gonna it, say it was the best movie ever, but the the biggest issue with Tenet was it was just so hard to understand. Like what they were saying was hard to understand. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. There, there was there was some weird sound mixing issues or something. I honestly was... did not even notice that when I watched it. <laughs> did you not? Okay. No. Yeah, I didn't even know they were talking the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah, that was. Had... <laughs> We had the projector projectionist put on the subtitles. <laughs> number three. All right, Ben, you're number three. Uh, choose it real quick. <clears throat> number three <laughs> <laughs> is none other than the great. Oh, I just thought of another one. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. okay. That's what the honorable mention list is for at the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Martin Scorchese over here. There you go. Shutter Island, Raging Bull, 
taxi driver. I just find it funny that Shutter Island was the first one you mentioned. It's one of the last ones I think about. Because it's it's probably one of the last or one of the movies that I didn't realize. Like I didn't know it was directed by him until mm. after I had like already watched it. What was that I was going to say? Goodfellas. Goodfellas, yes. Goodfellas. Yeah, Goodfellas, Casino. I mean, just a lot of classics. A lot of classics. I'm not sure if I really liked more of the new stuff. Like, yes. what was the, the Netflix one? The Irishman. Yeah, I I, I don't know. There's So, I, I, I loved his early stuff, but some of it is kind of hard to watch. Taxi Driver right. yeah. uh, is, is pretty mm-hmm. tough to watch. Uh, I love Goodfellas. It's probably my favorite of his movies. But then there's kind of a lull there for me where I didn't love a whole lot of his stuff. And then some of his more recent stuff in the in the the two thousands I enjoy. Alright. Hugo? Did you ever watch Hugo? Oh, At yeah. one point in like the eighties he thought he was done. And so he like he was making one last film about a like I don't remember what it was about. He called it a I remember he it was like a kamikaze style of filmmaking is what he, he called it. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember what it was now. <laughs> but he thought he was all done and then he he obviously wasn't obviously because he made a ton of movies since the 80s <laughs> yeah sorry to hijack your list again there ben how dare you all right james <laughs> all right uh so my number three is uh, a little director that uh, he's i mean he i think he's fairly well known he, and he, he's made some he's made some movies that that a lot of people like, but for me, the movies that Spielberg made are just wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I was so. like, little? Are you talking like is he physically small or? I, no, I don't know. He might. It's be. just you're being facetious. Yeah. It, it, of course, it, it would be just almost nearly impossible to have a list of the best directors and not have Spielberg on it. Right. Um, yeah. I did that to Mario a few weeks ago. I'm not doing that to Spielberg. Uh, <laughs> he he has made just too many great movies to snub him. And when I say many, the man's output is massive. Right. Uh, Whoa. And to have that much made and so little of it actually be a dud is nothing short of right. spectacular. Um, did you realize that Jurassic Park and Schindler's List came out in the same year? Oh my gosh. Yeah, he went from a fun, over-the-top <laughs> action adventure with groundbreaking visual effects to a sobering black-and-white film that didn't pull any punches <laughs> while dealing with one of the worst atrocities man has ever done to man. The number of his films that are iconic is mind-boggling. One man directed all of the Indiana Jones movies. Jaws, E.T., Close Encounters, Saving Private Ryan, The Color Purple, Hook, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List. I mean, dang, but... One of the best things that he ever did was partner up with John Williams to score most of his films. Yeah. Of, yeah. of Spielberg's yep. Yep. 30 theatrical films, uh, including The Fablemans being released this month. Guess how many were right. not scored by Williams? Two. Four. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any, any guesses as to what they were? It was. Uh, Hold on. <laughs> no, I don't. No. <laughs> Super 8. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I, don't know. Uh, I mean, the most, the most obvious is going to be is going to be West Side Story. 
but he also uh, Williams didn't do Color Purple. That was Quincy Jones. He didn't do Bridge of Spies, and he didn't do Ready Player One because that was Alan Silvestri. But you know, way to go, Steve-O. <laughs> What's y'all's favorite Spielberg movie? Just real quick. Oh, I mean, if if we're talking just, just the most favorite. impactful Spielberg just movie, your, it's got to be Schindler's List. <laughs> That's your favorite one. I don't know if I can call it my favorite. I think it's his best, but I don't know if I can call it my favorite. I think my my favorite would probably be Jaws. I think mine might have to be Jurassic Park, the first one. Those are both good ones. I think my favorite was Raiders. Raiders is up there. Hook is up there for me. I know a lot of people crap on it, but no. What? Who craps on Hook? A lot of people. Good. What are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> come on hook don't get mad at me i love it come on <laughs> all right john what is your number three all right my number three uh he's zany he's got a little bit of pizzazz uh it's mel brooks there you go i know it all right so one thing that you reminded me of james whenever we did our favorite movies a long time ago was of Blazing Saddles, and I can't, there's no way I should forget that because that is like my dad's favorite movie. And not that I was raised on it because there are a lot of parts that <laughs> obviously I could not watch, but it was well right. quoted within the house. And I'd seen clips of it as well as, you know, History of the World Part One and Young Frankenstein, all like. You know, all the of these just hilarious movies. And then later on, whenever I finally watch Spaceballs, he's got this sense of humor that is just, oh man, I love it. So good. So funny. Yeah. So good. And just all the stories that you, you hear from behind the scenes of like something will happen and he'll just like look at him and then he'll just like say, put it in the movie or something like that. <laughs> like just like crazy stuff. Yeah. It's funny. Love it. Great choice. Yep. Number two. All right, Ben. Time for your first one that you're not making up on the spot. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, number two would be, I think, Christopher Nolan. Kind of the same things that John said earlier. I really, really like the non-linear movies. <laughs> like it's just a lot more mind-bending, mm. and he just does a really good job at at doing those. Which, if it doesn't make sense, then I guess I'm gonna like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the easiest of his movies to follow are, are the Dark Knight trilogy movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. What was uh, you didn't mention the other one that I was thinking of, and I forgot what the, the movie prestige. Was. The Prestige, yeah, that's what it was. Which Another... that's not exactly mm-hmm. mind bending. It's just the right. twist is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I guess there he has. There's usually going to be some sort of good twist to some of his, to his movies, or like something weird, I guess. Yeah, twist through a co- creative means. Yeah. Speaking of twists, my number two director is. Don't M- you say? No, no, I was about to say, don't you say it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, seriously, I think he does get a, a bad rap. Uh, he does. I, I enjoy most of his movies. I don't love most of his movies. What was it? The first five movies were good? 
Uh, some people don't even say that. Some people say the first two and then drop it. <laughs> but have you seen The Last Airbender? <laughs> no. I refuse the, the to. Avatar? Don't, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching it when it came out and like thinking nothing of it. And then like recently watching it back again after I watched this, the animated series. And be like, oh, it could have been, it could have been that bad. <laughs> and I watched it, and I was like, okay, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, so my real number two in college, I read James Clavell's Shogun, and I became deeply fascinated with feudal Japan, uh, particularly during the Tokugawa shogunate. So I ate up every kind of media that I could: books, art, music and film and this was my introduction to akira kurosawa which it also kind of fueled an artistic snobbery that that i'm not proud of back in James, my younger days I have, a I have a quick question i have to interrupt you and ask you a quick question was that do you have a samurai sword <laughs> i i did at one point did you have, have a kimono a katana. <laughs> no did i you... didn't have a kimono <laughs> okay okay I, I was i was i was All right. poor <laughs> uh, I was I was a poor fascinated fool. So well, I wanted to know how how deep into feudal Japan but, you were. But I did I did price samurai armor. Oh my gosh! You know what? I'll just three D print you some sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Do you have a kimono and a katana? I don't. Uh, Tonto? No. I have Japanese my Pokemon cards. <gasps> Sorry to interrupt you. Oh no 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 no! For a second good. time, I was, I was just talking about my. Uh, artistic snobbery phase so at that point i was like i watch real films now <laughs> don't you, don't you know that the magnificent seven is just a ripoff of seven samurai <laughs> uh, so of course ignoring the fact that ran is king lear throne of blood is macbeth and the bad sleep well is hamlet so I was ignoring that Akira Kurosawa was inspired by Shakespeare while getting on to others for ripping off Seven Samurai. <laughs> um, anyway, there, there's there's just something about a Kurosawa film that I have a hard time articulating, but it just feels <sighs> elevated. I guess I don't know. I don't, but I but I love it. Sounds snooty. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I, I watch. I saw Seven Samurai in a film class. It's a great film. I, I think I slept during some of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long film. Yeah. And honestly, if I wasn't as fascinated with feudal Japan at the time as as I was, I don't know. I might not have been able to sit through it uh, because I think it is a filmmaker's filmmaker. I think he's he's one of those people. Right. Um, and of course, I haven't. I haven't watched all of his movies, and I certainly couldn't binge them because they are uh, something that you have to sit down and and digest uh, after you watch it. Um, but I have seen many that I've loved. Ran is probably my favorite, uh, the one that's based on King Lear. But also, I, I do love Seven Samurai, uh, Yojimbo, Roshimon, Throne of Blood. Uh, the profoundly heartbreaking Ikiru uh, Hidden Fortress. The list is, is, is really long. Kurosawa is widely regarded as one of the most influential directors for other directors. And again, I couldn't really tell you exactly why he's an amazing director from a technical standpoint, 
I just know what I like and I like his films. My number two uh, is Wes Craven's brother, Wes Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, I just love his quirky style and snappy characters. Royal Tenenbaums, Moonrise Kingdom. He has some some real bangers. Isle of Dogs. I I don't know. I just love the the snappiness of his films and the dryness and the quirkiness. I I don't know. You'll see. Quirky what my- is probably the best word to describe his films. Yeah. Yeah. That's my number two. Don't know what else to say about it. Number one. Oh boy, here we go, baby. That's what you've been waiting for. Uh, my number one is Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. Uh, my number one is um, Denis Villeneuve. Okay. How you actually say his name? Yeah. I, I didn't right. know that's how you said his name. I was just yeah. called Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he's French. Well, he's I think he's Canadian, but I guess the French Canadian kind, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, I think ever since I saw Arrival, I was like, whoa, like I really like this movie. And then I realized he did he did Prisoners, which I really liked, which I had no idea. I didn't know that he did that at the time. Mm-hmm. But then, I mean, Dune... Blade Runner 2049. I really love Blade Runner just in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just really like all those. He's kind of like a new, a newer director, I guess. Well, but. newer is in the sense that he like big stuff newer. Right. Yeah. 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 I just I think Arrival is probably like one of my all time favorite movies too. Dude, Arrival is so good. Yeah. The Blade Runner is so good. No, it's yep. 2049. I, that's a, that's a respectable choice, man. My number one is almost a cheat. But not Wait, really. Before you say it, I'm gonna laugh if we have the same one because we might. All right, you go ahead. Why are you gonna laugh? It makes sense. They're great. Uh, it's not one director, but two. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Um, because they are a team and they are brothers, uh, and I I adore the Cohen brothers. They aren't really making movies together currently because Ethan wanted to take a break. But I am hopeful that they'll get back to it together before too long. Um, mm-hmm. They have a distinctive style that works both for their goofy, dark comedies and their fatalistic thrillers. And they also they, they seem to really favor a good dummy. It's like Raising Arizona, Oh Brother, Fargo, Lebowski, Burn After Reading, Hudsucker Proxy. They all have these dimwit characters that we're pulling for, right? And uh, Barton Fink is one of my favorite movies, period. And they're more bleak. Thrillers are, are great. No Country, True Grit, Blood Simple. So good. Uh, you can almost always tell a Cohen film is a Cohen film. Kind of like Wes Anderson. You can you can almost always tell a Wes Anderson whenever you're watching it. But somebody described their style as lighthearted nihilism. And I don't think I can think of a better way to put it. That's, that's them in a nutshell. And, and I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. So the the Cohen brothers, Ethan and Joel, and what's weird is so up through I think Lady Killers might have been the first film that Ethan was given directing credit for, even though they both directed all their movies. But up through that, 
Joel was the only one getting directing credit. Ethan was uncredited. And I don't really understand that. But anyway. Yeah. I had them at number three. And I don't really know why I knocked them off. But I did. But I did have them on my top five list. I just put they- Mel Brooks in instead. <laughs> don't know why. <laughs> I... I thought you might have said this one, but I think Jeff would probably have him on his list. Edgar Wright? Yeah. So many funnies. And I love his use of music in his movies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead. Like All of these have kind of an iconic scene that perfectly sync up with one of the main songs in the movie. And... It just like, you know, you start bobbing your head and you're like going along with it and just getting more into it. Yeah, I love that. His fast paced and like how much movement happens in the movie, like not only with the characters, but with the camera and the scene and things are always just like going from one thing to the other. Most of his movies are at least a little bit of a satire. I mean, I just love it. I think his his signature is probably his editing style more than, you know, color palette or or specific shot or anything like that. Wouldn't that be the editor? <laughs> but he is in charge of it. <laughs> yeah. He's in charge of the shot that's happening and how it ultimately it's brought into the the I don't know. I don't know, but you know what I mean. I get it. <laughs> I I very nearly put Edgar Wright on the list, so I'm 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 happy with it. Why would you think that that was kind of a cheat though? What do you mean? Like why, when well, you said it's kind of a cheat? Well, yeah, well, I, whenever I was given my number one, the first thing I said was, this is almost a cheat, but not really. And you said, let me stop you there. Well, I was already thinking about stopping you. I oh, wasn't okay. really thinking about what you were saying. Cool. Cool. I dig it. Uh, ben. Yeah. Uh, what are your honorable mentions? The ones that either you thought of while you were doing this or that you knocked off the list after you thought of somebody. This is one of my favorite parts. What? This is almost better than the list. <laughs> what are your honorable mentions? Um, so let's judge you. So kind of for the reasons that John said, Edgar Wright, I would kind of list those reasons for Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. How music just kind of goes hand in hand with his movies. Totally. Uh, that's a honorable mention. Other one was John Favreau. Mm-hmm. Really, just good classic movies now. Iron Man, the first Iron Man. Elf. Elf. Just a lot of things that we look back in the future, I think, will be a lot of John Favreau, I feel like. I think those are pretty much the two big ones, but I have to say, even though it's not technically a director, he's the director of photography or cinematographer, I have to say Roger Deakins. Sir Roger Deakins. Oh, yeah, him. Yes. A ton of great movies. He works a lot with the Coen brothers, so I'm actually kind of surprised that that's that wasn't on my list but so i listed some of my honorable mention in the horror stuff but i I also like i said almost had it right on there uh tarantino is on my honorable list stanley kubrick tim burton specifically early to late 90s tim burton robert altman love his stuff uh martin scorsese was also on there a lot of of great directors yeah i had ron howard Mm, yeah I know it. I was and surprised. Ridley that. Scott. Yeah. Yeah, Ridley Scott. Chris Columbus, Ryan Coogler, George Miller, Taika Waititi. Jordan Peele has been really awesome lately. 
J.J. Abrams, the Russo brothers, Adam McKay, uh, George Lucas, Peter Jackson, and Mike Judge. Nice. Oh, I can't believe I forgot about... I, I love Taika Waititi. I don't know why I didn't have him at least on my honorable mentions. I totally yeah. blitzed on that. Sylvester Stallone? Clint, oh, Clint Eastwood? Eastwood? Oh, <laughs> I win. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Ben. We know you're in the middle of a move and just generally this is a busy time of year. So we're so glad to have you on again. Remind us one more time. I know you said it last time, but where can we find you and what kind of content do you have coming down the pipe? Oh boy. Uh, let's, I feel like this was like the hot, a hot ones at the end. <laughs> I know it. We're not, we're not done yet. No, uh, just where can we find you and what are you doing now? So I don't know. You can find me right here. I'm like I'm on the podcast. I'm here, baby. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I guess on Instagram mostly is where I'm doing stuff. I guess, but even then, I don't really do stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the wedding filmery, or at BD Dvorak, and on YouTube at Stray Collections. Rock on. All right, and uh, thank you, dear listener, for giving us your time. Uh, and, and let us know who your favorite directors are. Let us know. Uh, email us at fwlspod at gmail.com or check out our Instagram or Twitch page or Twitter, Facebook, or f- wherever Facebook, we are. Facebook, yeah. We have a Facebook group, too. We have a Zanga. Um, <laughs> no, we don't, uh, we don't have a link to any either. But our MySpace, MySpace page is banging. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we also uh, on Twitch we stream every Thursday night. So join us then. Uh, anyway, we'd love to hear from you. Bye. Clint Eastwood. Eastwood.